Warning. Obviously, we should raise basic income rates. They're way too low. But we just can't afford it right now. Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Seriously Wrong podcast. Uh, hello, my name is Sean, and I'm one of the hosts. And um, my name is Aaron, and I'm shifting my accent in ways that are inconsistent. Uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here this week. But I'm excited on behalf of the viewers to know that you're here um, <laughs> because you've just been putting out top-notch arguments recently. I think oh. I, I really think you're at the top of your game. Better I'm, than I'm normal. I'm waiting to hear what you have to say this week, and I think our audience is much the same well, way to hear what you have to say. Putting the pressure on shit. And when, if you don't live up to that, then I don't know. I think we should have a referendum on recalling you as <laughs> as a host. But I don't think there's a risk of that <laughs> happening. That's why. I well, would. no. But I mean, also, who would replace me? There's who? literally no one. I don't know. One of the Chapo guys. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> do you think they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna slum it? Oh, us? oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even know who we are. They don't. They don't even care about us. Well, there's no risk of this happening because, as I said, right. My you've been delivering great. on the top top tier. I'd say. Yeah, I'd say that I offer a guaranteed basic argument quality every time mm. you hear me talk. There's there's better arguments and there's less better arguments, but there's a, there's I always mean, a, a as guaranteed with any basic public intellectual. Quality. As yeah. with any public intellectual, well, I wouldn't. I'm, yeah. So, welcome, welcome to the show. <laughs> I was just gonna say. Uh, I was just gonna say about your arguments that I. I, I felt like there was a mis. It's 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 gone now. I felt like there was a miscommunication between us. Oh no! You said I had good arguments. Uh yes. Yeah. Good. Great. <laughs> Those are coming right up. Today's episode of the Seriously Wrong Podcast is brought to you by a new TV show coming from the government. You might have heard a couple years ago when it was announced that the largest government aid project in human history was being turned into a late night TV show. This is the product of that effort. It's called A Little Help, Huh? Uh, you at home vote for who is going to get uh, government subsidized taxpayer uh, help. Basically, it turns you into a taxpaying wishmaster. And the government is a big, friendly genie granting wishes to people who need help. Today on the show, we have Miss Stephanie Anderson here, who is coming to Hi. you, our, our viewers at home, to ask for a little help. Well, you know, I only have enough money to send one of my kids to school, you know, uh, since all schools have been privatized now. so How many kids do you have? I have four kids. Four kids. Oh, and, wow. And uh, only one know, at school. The minivan, it needs to be fixed. I can't even take the one kid who goes to school to school because I don't have money for the bus and my minivan's broken down. And I have a lot of leaky pipes. There's a lot of problems. I need to fix my house. I need to fix my van. And I want to send my kids to school. <laughs> Government genie, grant my wish. A little help. All right, a touching story. Um, so this is a hardworking single mom. She's got one kid going to school out of four. She needs a little bit of extra money to help her make ends meet. So what do you think? Should we help her out? So we're going to go to lines now. You will get a uh, series of questions, which uh, you can um, answer with the touch tone on your phone. Oh, I'm so nervous. The vote has come back. Let me just use the uh, results printer over here. Sometimes it gums up, but... Uh, Seems to... Yeah, okay, it's coming up. We'll have me on the show and ask for a new printer one of these days. Okay, there it goes. Um, and Stephanie, they uh, they love you. They're giving you the whole package. 
Everything uh, you ask for? Uh, everything you ask for and more. They're not only are they going to be paying to send your kids to school, they're actually going to be doing some payments, taxpayer-funded payments to your house uh, for your rent. Uh, oh my God, I love the government. And we will uh, update with Stephanie in a few weeks when we see how we've managed to affect your life. Here's a story like that of Ricardo, who we fixed the boat of. Out here on my boat, everything's so pristine. I feel so alive and full again. Thank you, taxpayers. Oh, geez, the pressure's on now. These arguments, I gotta, I gotta get out the, the good arguments. Guaranteed basic outcome. Why should we have a guaranteed basic outcome in society? Well, first, what is a guaranteed basic outcome? This is a, a phrase you, you pitched. You thought this of. Is, I haven't heard anyone else ever say it. This is a Seanism. This is, uh, this is wrong boys dictionary time. Um. <laughs> oh yeah, right, right. The <laughs> neologisms. Well, I mean, there's a lot of talk about the idea of a guaranteed basic income, like a certain amount of money that you get every uh, year from the government. Uh, something that we've, it's an idea that we've praised and endorsed on the show many times. Because I want those checks. Well, I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't want a little bit of that? I want those Obama bucks. Yeah, that's why it's such a Obama bucks. It's such a popular program. Oh, I want those Bernie bucks. Those Trump bucks. Man, if Trump introduced guaranteed basic income, do you think leftists would love him then? No. Do you think they would grudgingly admit that he did something good, or would they? It depends how it's structured. But right. they would. I think there'd be the immediate criticism would be that this program is being introduced to dismantle the welfare state as we know it, dismantle social services, put everything behind a paywall, get rid of anything that's free to access at point of access, you know, like where you're not paying a transaction. Mm -hmm. It's it, his guaranteed basic income plan is part of the neoliberal transactionization of society, where if you want to access healthcare, you got to pay with your basic income dollars there's nothing that's free that point uh, there's nothing that's free at point of access anymore and also that this is the neoliberal status quo so and and this is what guaranteed basic outcome is meant to be the answer to like rather than talking about just guaranteed minimum income which often is proposed as an alternative to other social services uh, if we talk about a guaranteed basic outcome then it is explicitly not doing that, not transactionalizing everything. Uh, in fact, detransactionalizing more things mm. and just talking about the, the, the basic things that we want everyone in society to have access to and figuring out an infrastructure to give those basic things to said people. Yeah. And I, I think the basic outcome advocacy is kind of agnostic towards basic income. It's the specific means to this end. Uh, it's certainly something that's on the table when we're discussing, but when I think, I think, should, of, I th I think it should be in the mix, uh, yeah. a little stipend for, for extra spending. Yeah. You really just, yeah, you gotta have some stipend, even mm. if it's just something small, like a couple hundred bucks every here and there. Yeah. Like, like if you got, let's say 350 bucks a month, you'd be like, Oh, that's really low for welfare. But if you're getting like free food delivered to your free house, uh, free phone, free, uh, library access, free transit pass, free mm -hmm. healthcare, obviously. Free internet, free clothes repairs or re getting your clothes replaced from like a... Yeah, free clothes. Big, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. big Salvation Army type place that's all just bring in your old clothes, take away new clothes type thing. You could even have those places just do your laundry and just drop off a bag of dirty clothes to a place to be laundered and put it back on the racks for everybody. <laughs> Right, right. Oh, yeah. You just you just drop off dirty clothes and pick up clean clothes whenever you want to. And there's like, you know, maybe 10 or 15. Let's say there's 26 different styles kind of. And you just like they're all not lettered A to Z. You're like, oh, I really love style J. So like you drop off a bag of style J clothes, you grab some style J. <laughs> so you're imagining, yeah, you're, you're imagining like new types of clothes well I'm, I'm just like say you're someone who likes uh to wear t-shirts and jeans a lot 
So you know if you grab a oh, bag so of style like B clothes. Fashion, you, yeah, yeah, fashion yeah. subcategories named after the letters of the alphabet. Yeah, because if you're dropping off dirty clothes and getting, like, what's to guarantee you're going to like the clothes? But if there's at least a sort of genre of clothes you know you're into, you can, yeah. Cool. Well, can we agree that after there's 26 different types of clothes that we'll move on to uh, style AA clothes and then BB clothes and so on? Sure, yeah. Okay, we sweet. Can, I'm, we in. Can agree. I'm in. I'm <laughs> in. Awesome. Because I think, you know, it's a great idea. I'm just, with all the human ingenuity out there, I think we're going to eclipse 26 styles of clothes. And I hope to someday. I know right now that system works perfectly because there's only like 14 styles of clothes. But once we get <laughs> to 27, I, we need to have a plan. Right, right, so I'm right. just getting yeah. that out okay, there. Okay, okay, good. I'm a forward-thinking guy. I, and <laughs> you're also a forward-thinking guy. And that's why we were great together. Yeah. You just sometimes think a little further forward. but Well, it's kind of my trademark. Yeah. Thinking a little further ahead. <laughs> that's what. How far ahead is Aaron thinking? Just gonna go a little let's, bit. Let's further. go five years beyond that. Um, so, here's a question for you: Why? Why do we want to provide everyone with clothes? And th- two questions for you, actually: Why do we want to provide everyone with clothes and mm-hmm. food and shelter and healthcare and internet and transportation and education? Mm-hmm. And B. Who's going to pay for it? Okay. Um, number one, why? Um, well, first of all, because we're all human beings, we have a duty to take care of each other, uh, make sure that people aren't dying from preventable diseases, that they're well-fed, they're comfortably closed, and they have a place to sleep at night. Uh, this is a responsibility that I think we, we have to one another. Um, it's also kind of an insurance plan. For every individual, there's a certain point that you'll never fall below because we've all committed to take care of each other. And so that means when you're doing well, you you help take care of someone who needs that help. But then if you slip and you're not doing too well, then you know that there's going to be... There's only so far down you can slip. Like... <laughs> yeah. Like, there's always going to be a Bernie of, house and a Bernie phone for you somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like basic standardized, like a, a nice, decent room, you know, a few different choices of wallpaper, but like it has a desk, it has a bed, has a TV, has a fridge, has toilet, running water. This is some nice basics. Uh, your Bernie phone, just nice, basic smartphone runs fine. Decent. Unlimited texting, yeah. unlimited calls. If, you, if it breaks, you just turn it in at the place. They give you a new one. They fix it, refurbish it, hand it out mm-hmm. to someone else again. It's the same kind of distribution model as the clothes. And this all this all creates a lot of jobs in this process, you might add. Like uh, sorting everyone's clothes every day. Doing everyone's laundry is a job. Why Not- do we have this domestic... You know, we're so crushed by our domestic work and that disproportionately, unfortunately, uh, falls on women. So this is a feminist proposal. It's fundamentally feminist to centralize all of our laundry. Um, And it's also fundamentally feminist, therefore, to centralize all food distribution. (laughs) Okay, but not literally centralize all, but like having a centralized option, not like, but it's still decentralized. You have one that like each community. Yeah. The public option. Yeah. There should always be a public option for these things. The public option for laundry and cooking, um, and cleaning. I mean, that's, that's feminist as balls. Yeah. And it's also anti-racist. It's it's just everything. Oh yeah. It's perfect. Um, (laughs) because you know, again, disproportionately that domestic labor is put on women, people of color. Um, it's time to change that with a public option. My my biggest reason for why we should do this is because we can. Like, we're very wealthy in Canada, in the United States, in many Western countries. And what kind of people do we want to be? What do we want to do with all this wealth that we've built up? Well, I don't know what I want to be. What do you, what do you want to be? Rich guy behind a wall. <laughs> With all my things. In your mansion, that's basically a prison because if you go outside, you're going to get robbed or beaten uh, out of spite for what you have and what they don't mm-hmm. have. Like, that's that's your ideal. Well, like, you gets... need bodyguards to f- f- go with you everywhere because... Sure, yeah. My bodyguards yeah. will be my friends. I'll never be alone. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, walking around, seeing starving people, seeing people who don't have access to the basics of life I'm is going to make you happy? I'm going to get augmented reality goggles that block <laughs> it out. You just like, so instead of seeing a homeless person on I the see street a nude coughing woman. up blood. <laughs> see a nude, a nude photograph a, model. A beautiful naked woman beckoning to you. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's how. But don't follow that beckon because once the glasses. <laughs> no, it, it's actually it's a really profound kind of humbling experience <laughs> to see all those nude women, but never submit to their beckoning. I think it, it will really increase the character of the one percent. So yeah, I don't know if you're one of our many millionaire listeners who shame on you aren't donating as much as you could and aren't offering your share, then. Uh, <laughs> Just no, keep the, in mind that doing this is a really good for you also because it's guillotine insurance. It's going to make it so that when you leave your mansion, you live in a society where people aren't suffering and you can feel good about that. I hope you would feel good about that. Like, I think you would. I think almost everyone would. So it's good for everyone. And yeah, we can. We can do this. And I don't see any compelling reason why not i think the reason why not most people might bring up is that it costs too much which was my second question who's going to pay for it the answer is taxes only the finest best biggest brightest taxes will fund this program but also actually sorry just another thing other than taxes that will help pay for this program is the government can generate revenue without taxes there's a lot of ways to generate revenue there's directly taxes there's also an entire class of like sort of um, indirect uh, things that are functionally taxes like fees tolls things like that that aren't called taxes but still have that general same premise of giving the government money Uh, but then there's also like the capacity for the the government to generate profits through initiatives that are run for profit to help fund the government, like that the government's running. That's not off the table also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Do we have any of those right now? Does the government run any for-profit industries that actually make a profit? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. There must, there must be some... Like, I was thinking like, okay, so like a gift shop at a national park. Do they just rent that gift shop to someone? No, like I'm sure they make the money i just don't know if they actually make a profit on it it probably costs more to maintain the park than the gift shop makes up yeah but the gift shop probably more than pays for the gift shop yeah right and the overflow um profits goes into funding the park so it's a yeah win-win that kind of model gift shops everywhere government gift shops (laughs) everywhere (laughs) part of the way that i think that we should uh consider paying for this Uh, type of thing is by actually removing segments of the basic outcome framework from financial society. So a definancialization of something like, for example, if you have a food production place, that's like a a self uh, that's self-contained is producing food and that food is never put to market or taken to a place where money is being used. Um, and it's just distributed directly. Um, it doesn't really need to be paid for except for the setup costs. Well, I mean, there's fuel costs. Like if people are going to be involved, you have to pay them money. Things like there will always be maintenance and operating fees uh, for things. But the, yeah, the more that it can be a self-contained system where it's like there's farms that grow food, there's... No, but you could <laughs> probably for the foreseeable future, like if we're talking about a plan that's starting in the year 2017, then there's always going to be some costs around. But it is possible to foresee an end date where food, shelter, water, and basic necessities are actually treated as non-financial entities, that maintenance costs, that type of stuff, it's all being done through volunteer labor by people who are beneficiaries of the system. Yeah, right, right. Okay, yeah, that makes some sense. Other ideas I just had are, um, say you want to use this laundry service, but you're a millionaire, or not even a millionaire, you make $80,000 a year, it might, it might cost you a little bit. Like, in the same way that the idea for universal basic income is that people who make no money get the full amount, and as you make more money, they they step down how much of it you get and how much you're contributing to the pot rather than taking from the pot. Similar things here. If you want to just use a basic Bernie phone, when you 
could afford the best phone in the world, you know, a hundred thousand times over, maybe it'll there'll be a small surcharge for you, whereas there wouldn't be for someone else. That's one idea. And another idea is that we should be seeing this as an investment in uh, just thinking of this as a completely financial scenario and situation, seeing this as an investment in the population. And by investing in the population, you're going to get a return for that, for offering people, I want to get into this more in, the, in another segment coming up, but offering people opportunities to make the best versions of themselves and the best versions of their lives. And they are going to add to the economy, add to the GDP. Like people who are well-fed are not stressing out about meeting their very basic life needs and who have access to systems that will encourage them to to innovate and participate in society are going to, in the end, stimulate the economy as a whole. It's going to cause GDP growth. It's going to cause more tax dollars flowing in, more wealth in general. If you think of society as a whole, as a thing that has a certain amount of wealth that can grow, this is an investment in the primary source of growing wealth, which is human ingenuity. And that's why... It's a good idea. So the idea of a guaranteed basic outcome, when you first said said those words to me, it seemed like, and I think this is what it was, a play on the idea that, that what leftists really want is equality of outcome, that there's this dichotomy between equality of opportunity and equality of outcome, and the left wants equality of outcome, and that's ridiculous for many self-evident reasons. Basic outcome came from arguing with a lot of people who had said, who were telling me that because I was leftist, I wanted to have everyone be paid exactly the same, and that I didn't understand that people were different heights. Like you, you left it. Some people are better at math, and yeah. Well, and it's like there's that really brutally dumb viral video about like modern education. Yeah, yeah. Where it's spelled like. like E-D-U-C-A-Y-S-H-U-N. Yeah, where there's like, it's like a social, a parody of social justice where they're like, everyone gets the same grade because they're all equal. It's like, well, they're marking a math test and then it like starts with everyone getting the same grade, but then like you have to minus privilege points. And so anyway, yeah, it's... It's a wretched film. <clears throat> it's not even, I'm not afraid of the ideas you're bringing forward. It's just cringe inducing how little you understood the subject matter that you were tackling authors of that film i don't know i'm trying to think how to segue into jazz so yeah this idea that leftists they want everything to be equal all the time oh oh, oh. as a leftist i think everyone should be a teacher and nobody should be a student you leftists want everyone to drive the same car and you want there to be no differences in income between anyone no matter their skill level don't you leftists understand that people are different heights? Man, these leftists don't even... You know what they want? They want everyone who's good at guitar to have to break their hands so that they're not good at guitar anymore because you can't, you can't it's make... It's only equal. It's, it's the only way to make everyone equal. You can't make the worst players in the world like Carlos Santana, so you got to make Carlos Santana just like the worst players in the world. Hey, it's only fair, Carlos. we got to break your hands. It's Le- the leftist, leftist way. Leftist equality. Leftists, man, they, they, uh, they hate greatness. They want to make sure that everyone's made mediocre. They they would just really hate the idea for someone to be the best dancer in the world. They'd have to kill him or find some other way to get rid of him. It, it would undermine their ideology too much. Even a currently mediocre dancer is probably too good because there's going to be some really terrible dancers who the mediocre dancers are great in comparison to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we basically just have to break everyone's well, legs so also. yeah what leftists want that's what leftists want is uh for the mediocre dancers to look at the bad dancers and try to downgrade their dancing to be as bad as them so the bad dancers don't feel bad and if the bad if the medium dancers dance at medium skill level they're going to be assassinated or they're going to have their legs broken never dance again and then if their legs get broken then we have to break everyone's legs another thing leftists want is for everyone to be the same weight so you know you're going to 
going to be getting portioned out perfect caloried meals and that's all you can possibly have access to in order to maintain you and everyone else in the world at 165 pounds they've just decided mm -hmm. yeah. everyone's 165 man woman no matter your height 165 the height thing we will be working on yeah we're gonna figure out how to shave that down get everyone the same height we're going to be figuring out how to eliminate any physiological differences between people. Mm -hmm. um, Even if it means bringing everyone down. And I mean, if uh, if we find, okay, well, in the, in the quest for curing MS, we find it's impossible to cure MS. How can we give everyone MS? Everyone's got to have MS. That's what the left wants. No longer want a world where some people have penises and some people have vaginas. No, 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 no. If you can't have both, then you're going to get neither. So everyone's getting everything removed. We're just gonna, it's gonna be smoothed down there like a Barbie doll. Well, it needs to be exactly equal in every way. The car you drive or don't drive, if it turns out that some people can't drive, then no, no driving. Drive. <laughs> How far you are from the beach. These are all facets of equality and they all need to be addressed. Equality of outcome can be achieved and we're gonna fight for it here. We're gonna today. fight for absolute equality. You heard it here first, and uh, join us with the Equality of Outcome movement that we're, uh, we've started. So yeah, that, uh, it's ridiculous. Mm. Equality of outcome doesn't make any sense. Yep, and it's not an argument against leftism, because what leftists really want generally is a guaranteed basic outcome. Yeah, so like no one's starving when they don't need to. Everyone having a house to live in. They're actually quite reasonable people for the most part. Okay, so we've got this great idea, this guaranteed basic outcome. Uh, what are the problems? What what do we got to be on the lookout for? Not saying necessary problems, but like, what are we going to include in the design of this to not be a problem? Like, we're, what what are we heading off at the pass? And so, and, and we're we're assuming this is going to be a mixed model. It includes some citizens dividend like a a check yeah but also a lot of things are like free at point of access yeah. in society like healthcare and food and housing and whatnot yeah that's okay. the basic idea um so the i think the conservative objection to this that i think i don't think that we should just completely disregard is that people could take this for granted there could be a lack of respect in how people treat access to free resources. Yeah, once you have something and you begin to expect it, then you don't like I don't like I don't often thank anybody or anything that I have clean air. And I do kind of just take it for granted. Mm -hmm. I think that's a natural human response to getting anything for free. Do you think you'd be bratty if someone took it away? Took away my clean air? <laughs> my clean air. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't be happy about it. Yeah, I would, uh, I don't know, depending on how hard it was to get clean air and I'd be pretty pissed. Yeah, like, even in, the, in this example, it really comes out like the the hard split in the... Like when we're talking about f free access to cell phones versus free access to clean air, there's a big gap there in, in what, to what degree one should feel entitled to something. Yeah. Here's a potential way to frame this. I'm curious what you think about this. Basically, we're talking about increasing people's rights. We're saying access to food, shelter, healthcare, education, transportation, phones, internet, etc. is all a right. Uh, is there a corresponding responsibility to go along with that? Like, I think that's kind of what all those conservative objections you talk about point at mm -hmm. like, like what's the what's the what's the downside of taking something for granted what's the downside of not being grateful for something is that you won't feel any necessary give back like that's what the conservatives are concerned about loafers and and we joked in a previous episode about the guy in the future utopia who just does acid and masturbates all day <laughs> for years like i think the other concern that's paired into this is um just the misuse of resources like so yeah yeah i think the balance between rights and responsibilities if this is part of a shared uh if this is paid for by taxes by the citizens like if you if we if we are saying society should take care of everyone, what does everyone owe society back? But 
I don't know, because my answer to this doesn't really frame it that way in terms of responsibility or people owing something back. I don't, I just don't like thinking about it that way. What, what I, the way I like to think about it is how are we going to design into the system mechanisms that incentivize people giving back? How are we going to design into the system mechanisms that incentivize people appreciating what they're being given? This reminds me a lot of, there's a book we both read, <laughs> Enlightenment 2.0. Yes. Enlightenment 2.0 by Joseph Heath. Yeah. Um, and he talks about, there's like a, um, there's a metaphor for thought that like our unconscious brain is in control and rationality is like the rider of this elephant where like you're making decisions before you think that you're making them. Um, it's like this big... You can only steer an elephant so much. Like you only have so much rational control over the the <laughs> unrational mess that is your shortcuts to thinking and just the way that you your intuitive interactions with the world. Because you can't like sit and rationally think through every decision you make all day. It's just it's not feasible. It's completely impossible. So, so yeah, uh, old Joe Heath suggests that we the the rider gets off the elephant and designs the course that the elephant's on that will predictably utilize the elephant's irrational behaviors. So like the way that our brain interacts with the environment, uh, we have these negative habits that show up like across the human population based on a malformed old sur survival techniques put into a modern context. But we can actually design our environment to channel those natural ways that we interact with the world towards positive outcomes. Right, right, right. So he, yeah, he calls the idea of these little crutches or things that can be used to direct the elephant. Uh, he calls them kluges, or I think that's how you pronounce it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like a kluge is a stopgap measure that solves the problem without getting to the root of the problem. Yeah, it's like it's like an external uh, uh, way to, as you said, redirect those irrational impulses t towards rational ends. Uh, so these malformed evolutionary in intuitions we have that don't necessarily work well in modern society, we need to take them into account when we design the system. So, I mean, like the way the current society takes into account this, the uh, free rider problem is, I guess, basically what we're talking about is by more or less threatening you with mass deprivation, unless you get yourself out there and find some job and find some way to make money. Otherwise, you're going to have a pretty, like, not great life. You're, you might get some money from welfare, like, you probably won't die, but it's not going to be top-notch stuff. And we're saying, no, 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 let's give them the top-notch stuff. We're taking away the fear of death. So what we need to do is invent new kluges, invent a new system, uh, uh, new tracks for the elephant, new... It's <laughs> uh, probably enough metaphors. New way of gamifying participation in society to encourage people to uh, uh, a have something to do b offer something back learn skills improve themselves set goals and and help be helped working to accomplish those goals yes that's interesting the, the guaranteed basic outcome thing in the context of like a designer environment designed to take people's biases and make them work towards positive ends. I think a big assumption going into this is that people will respond well if you treat them well. I Well, I, I think that's true, but I also think that that's not enough. You Or that you have to treat them well in, in specific ways. So some, some of the ideas I had for this was like having a place you can go. I just think of it as a community center or a, like a learning center or a, a having something to do center. Like a, mm. a like you have all this free time now because all your basic needs are taken care of and you just don't know what you want to do with your life. So you head down to the center. So you and, turn to crime and violence. Right. No, instead of turning to crime and violence because, you know, what Vandalizing do you, you don't property? need to steal anything. You have, <laughs> no, you don't. Which is legal to vandalize, yeah, no. <laughs> you, it's like 
you can go there and learn hands-on skills. You can learn how to code. You can learn how to fix cars. You can learn how to fix things around your house. You can learn how to, you, you can learn about philosophy. You can learn about ideas. You can learn how to write. You can participate in discussion groups, idea building groups, like, like young entrepreneur groups, like a sort of, um, incubator of human potential because rather than just providing people like if we're talking about a guaranteed basic outcome like what everyone should be entitled to this is that investment aspect i talked about in, in human investing in human potential because to use a horrible phrase you don't want to create a society full of useless eaters you want to create a society full of useful eaters you want and i think <laughs> i think people want to be useful and i think people feel better about themselves and their lives when they have stuff to do that they feel is contributing that they feel is a phrase I've heard you say many times is people like to feel esteemed and useful. And so I think it should be really easy to know where to go to figure that out. Like the idea of like, what do you want to do with your life? Shouldn't be something that you're just, you're just in school learning the basics of stuff. And there's uh, uh, these teachers saying, you better figure out what you want to do with your life. So you decide, you know, like whether to go to trade school or what you're going to take in college, like the pressure's on you to figure it out. And instead of that, there's this open-ended system that you can always participate in to learn new things, to expand on any skill you might want to uh, expand on, to help you decide what skills you might want to expand on, because you can go there and, and taste test and platter and learn different things. Yeah, I pro I've probably gone on long enough. I think I've explained it mm. decently. So you just think that the government should build a magical building where people go to learn whatever they want in some sort of hippie... No, I'm thinking like of a very like library, like, like, cause libraries do this already to a certain extent. Like there's discussion groups at the local library. There's uh, sometimes workshops on how to make resumes and how to, like, I'm at the downtown library here fairly often. They have the inspiration lab where they just run courses on how to edit audio, how to do other computer things. There's English as a second language classes that you can go to at the library for free. Like we have these human betterment programs already in mm -hmm. existence, but I'm just talking about scaling it up to two orders of magnitude from 10 to a hundred percent. And so you think libraries are magic and you just need to make more libraries and society is going to be magic and perfect and no more crime. E well, no, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> there will still probably be crime, but, probably be a lot less crime because I think a lot of crime is caused by people not having anything to do. Bigger libraries, less crime. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the perfect political slogan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, because you can get off all things at the library now for free anyway, online, they're infinitely replicable. So adapting the library to the new world is kind of like, almost merging it with the university in a way, but it's it's a bit different. I think there would still be a place for universities in this system uh, to go learn highly specialized knowledge or whatever. But this is like a... And this is in contrast to the the other magical room from last episode where people learn are involved in a political... It, it's, it's kind of the same idea ported over to a larger area of focus. Uh -huh. Well, because what, what I was... Uh, this being part of the library makes perfect sense to me. I think it's a wonderful idea. You you have the paid political time and paid recreation time both in the system. I think obviously, you know, you you got one day a week for politics, one day a week for recreation learning. I think it really answers that conservative critique in a way because you're you're tying maybe part of access to this stuff. Like maybe you get access to the basic free services, but if you want that extra cash on top of things and you don't necessarily want to work, you go to the political learning center, you go learn how to fix cars, you pay people to learn skills. And then obviously once people have those skills, they can get paid to use those skills also. Yeah. Isn't it stupid that you don't get paid to learn things? Like it just seems like the, that's the boiled down of everything I've been dancing around trying to say, like we pay to learn things rather than get paid to learn things when you learning thing is, 
is generally a net benefit for society because then you can use that thing back to mm-hmm. help other people. So it just seems like you should be paid to go to university. Yeah. And the, like if the criticism of, I think, getting paid for a university, which is already the criticism of free university also, mm-hmm. um, is the whole people going to college for their whole life and never doing anything and just continuing to learn more things and get paid and just kind of like be a yeah, bad bumming right. student around forever. I mean, the solution to that's pretty easy. If you find that's actually a substantial problem that's negatively affecting <laughs> the economy or your country or something, like, I don't think that evidence already exists, but let's say that it did exist. Well, then you just say that you can go to school for free for eight years, 12, yeah, 12, 12 years. years. <laughs> and then, but then, and then after that, maybe you can still keep going to school. You can still g- keep getting paid, but you've already learned quite a bit of stuff. So maybe as a, uh, an elder of the school, you part, part of your responsibility is to help teach or to help mark essays, to help give back to the school community, what, what you've been getting from it. Like you become a, a, I won't. I don't want to say a volunteer because you're getting paid. But in addition to learning, you're now also teaching or or doing doing something. The perpetual student becomes instead of something we look down on. They're like scholars of society. Yeah, I mean, like if they're you were scholar- literally like spending your entire life in university, you'd be a, a very well educated person. Like, I mean, I think you're existence would continue to be a benefit you want, from, in many ways. You want free university? Are you, are you saying that you want some people in society to study their lives and become wise? Become <laughs> extremely wise? Like the people who feel motivated to do that? You think they should? Okay. I think they should be toiling. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be better if we made them clean floors and paint things? Look, society would be great if we could all be a wise old man who spent his whole life studying. But that's just not how it works. And if you let one guy do it, then everyone's going to want to do it. And society will collapse. Yeah, because everyone loves school. Like, it's not just some people that love school. Everyone loves school. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. a universal. And if they could, everyone would stay there forever. And if everyone becomes wise, wise and old scholars... Then, then who will wash the floors? This is an extremely dangerous pro- proposition you've put forward, this free college thing, yeah. paid for college thing. Getting paid to go to university, getting paid to learn valuable skills that will come back and, and help everyone uncountable ways. Okay, so that's the answer to the conservative critique. I think we did it. I think we did it. All conservatives have now turned into <laughs> liberal progressives. Yay. This episode of the Seriously Wrong Podcast is brought to you by the government's top-rated combination social service program and reality TV show, Welfare. This week on Welfare, we welcome 30 new people to the Welfare House. These people, they want their basic needs taken care of. They want to go on Welfare. But can they handle it? Can they handle the heat? Can they handle the other welfare recipients? We'll find out. Things are heating up between Timothy and Christine. Will Chantel keep her baby? Is Brian and Thomas's partnership strong enough to last to the big welfare check at the end? Watch as desperate people compete in order to get the basic things they need to live on the top-rated show slash social program, Welfare. All right, housemates, we've got a new welfare challenge for all of you today. This week's prize is uh, a carton of cigarettes and two forties of liquor, and of course, immunity from being voted off in tonight's welfare challenge. The game is simple. You will be fishing through dumpsters full of soiled diapers, looking for a five by seven yellow plastic card that says, my dignity on it. Two teams, only one will find their dignity, and one of the members of that team is getting off the dole tonight at 8 p.m. on welfare. Um, so the leftist 
critique of basic income alone in a bunch of different ways. It's it's roughly that basic income is unlikely to be enough for people. When you're talking about like contemporary governments uh, putting basic income into effect is like this alternative to the welfare s- system, the welfare system, which is usually like uh, pretty underfunded right now. Like, for example, here in British Columbia, welfare rates haven't been risen, haven't been raised in like 10 years. Yeah, I think they're like 600 bucks or something. Yeah. Extremely low. Yeah. You you can't afford rent for that. No. Like alone. Like I think, no, not yet. (laughs) Definitely not alone. Maybe with someone else you could afford just rent. Yeah. Uh, If you live in like a house and pay 500 bucks rent. Yeah. Anyway, extremely underfunded. And like part of the idea of this is, is yeah, the replacement of all other social programs with basic income. The idea is that it's cheaper because it simplifies things. You don't have someone choosing who's on the take and stuff, uh, who's mm-hmm. worthy of disability or not worthy of disability. You you uh, cut all those costs in that bureaucracy and just give the money to everyone. Um, yeah. That's like a right-wing argument in favor of basic income. And the critique of that that you're talking about is that it financializes every single transaction. Yeah, or yeah, it makes within the context of these contemporary uh, neoliberal governments to introduce a basic income thing right now while ignoring welfare, while showing this kind of chronic underfunding of these essential social programs as like a, a cost saving measure or whatever. The fear is that in, in the specific context this idea is being put forward, the version of basic income we're going to end up with is a way for government to cut costs overall and distance themselves from their responsibility to take care of people in other ways. And the long-term fear for something like that is that the basic income isn't going to be enough to cover for basic living arrangements and a guaranteed basic outcome won't be available to people who are on basic income alone while the rich or middle class or whatever are also being subsidized with an equal size check, which they use to buy an extra toaster or something. Um, but the absolute poorest <laughs> in our society, damn rich people um, and their extra toasters can't afford to pay for their rent um, of on toasters. basic income. And it's like, well, that's, you know, basic income should be raised, I think in an ideal world, but that costs too much money. Yeah. yeah um, we don't have like, enough. So exactly what we've already seen happen with welfare in a bunch of places. The risk is that we'll have that happen with basic income over time while at the same time that's used as a rhetorical part of a system of softening having all of our rights dismantled. Yeah, I think the easiest example of this for me is the healthcare issue because healthcare, if you have a, a real illness like cancer or something, the costs get extremely high extremely quickly. So like the point of free healthcare is that it doesn't matter how much you use it. You just get to use it. Like we just get treated for cancer, no matter how much it costs. It's not that you get a thousand bucks a month and hopefully you got enough left over to treat your cancer because it takes care of everything. Healthcare has the most highest outrageous potential costs that might come up. So that's the the easiest example of why just giving you money and then financializing every basic human need is a bad idea. Like that sensor that's taking how much of the clean government air you're breathing and then <laughs> takes okay. micropayments from your basic income right. for your, your breathing. And and yeah, so like having a guaranteed basic outcome, on the contrary, actually solves all of these problems because it takes those essential things, those things we've judged to be essential, not just food, shelter, water, education, Bernie phones, and I'm sure I'm missing something, healthcare, et cetera. Also gamified systems that allow you to learn new skills, participate in society, that invest in you and your future and therefore the future of the society by guaranteeing all of these things as as accessible without transaction, without financial transaction. It solves that problem. It's a lame ending. I was trying to think of a... (laughs) It's an essential part of the utopian program. <laughs> it's just, uh, 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 it's how you, it's how you fix that. We already fixed it. Yeah, we fixed. I mean, th- that pretty much wraps it up. I mean, and so what we're talking about when when you talk about, you know, free clean air, f- free clean water, healthcare that's free at point of purchase, a little basic income check on the side for your luxuries, some other stuff that Museum falls parks. outside of. And hey, maybe you want to buy some gluten free chips that you really like, and you're you're just on welfare basic income. Great, yeah, you can do that. 
because luxury is good for poor people as well. Mm, We have enough to give some luxury to everyone all the time. This utopian vision, this utopian baseline, the guaranteed basic outcome, this is just the minimum program. This is the, the, the minimum demands of a utopian social movement. This is just the baseline. This is what is assumed. This is what has to be universally agreed upon. Whatever your utopian view of the future is, your your idealistic and hopeful, compassionate view of the future, the basic level of that, it's just making sure that everyone has access to culture, food, shelter, etc. But on top of that, there there's also revolutionary elements that fundamentally change the structure of society. Uh, but that's... Um, that's, that's for another time. Tonight on Government Run TV, the surprise new smash hit documentary program that chronicles the success of the Big Library's small crime program. It features interviews with academics, people who've experienced the program firsthand. It also features reflections on how much our society that does these TV, these TV parodies in it, how much our society's grown. And now we're changed and better. When I first went to one of the bigger, better new libraries, I had zero skills, zero direction, just didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. But, you know, there was just all these helpful, engaged, interesting people around, so many things to learn about. Pretty soon I realized I love building electronics. So, you know, I started building my own computers, started building computers for my friends and family, helping them fix them. I started making my own circuit boards. Next thing you know, I invented a brand new kind of circuit board that increased the speed of computing by 10,000%. And, you know, just since then, things have gotten so much easier. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't. I was just so lost. I had enough money to live. I had a place to stay. And I thought about breaking property or doing crime. I really did. Turns out, I'm a very above medium dancer. Um, and I just would have never thought it was only because I was just doing kind of the sampler platter of the big library, you know, and I just got to dancing and people said, hey, you know, you got a knack for that. I actually got my idea for the new kind of computer chip watching her dance. The flowing rhythm to what she was doing, it was inspirational and I could see how much she enjoyed it and how her heart was in it. And it just... Uh, I had a moment and I had a breakthrough and that's how the computer chip got invented. I mean, and this is just the stories from one big library, one extra functional library. This one's named the Wrong Boys Memorial Library, named after um, the uh, young men who invented this uh, this whole idea and set us on this this great course. Uh, And uh, obviously, tragically, they were killed in that civil war. Which we no longer we no longer have thought crime, but for a brief period there we did, and uh, the wrong boys and many others were severely physically oppressed. Just one library, uh, and everyone has stories, success stories like this, and a lot of them are named after those boys. Uh, if you like the show, want to give us some feedback. If you hate the show and want to give us some feedback, you can go to our website seriouslywrong.com, s r s l y w r o n g dot com. Uh, there's a contact form on there. We love to get voice messages from you. Uh, it's also there, and we sometimes play them on the show. Uh, and also on the website, if you didn't know, you can download MP3s there. I just mm-hmm. had someone ask me if we had MP3s of our show because they just watch it on YouTube, and they, I guess, never just went to the website. So there's no, definitely yeah. MP3s. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on any podcast catcher you can now get. Now available in MP3. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that that's available. Um, and yeah, we love to hear back from you. Uh, if you value what we're doing and want to contribute financially, Cha-ching. we, we, uh, we value that ask, folks <laughs> gets weird repeating this every week, but you, you have to, I yeah. have to, how about you, uh, throw us 10 bucks a month, buddy. It would really help us out. Um, and, and thank you to everyone who's already doing something like that. Yep. We, uh, we love you. We appreciate it a lot. And, you know, we're only $49,900 a month away from making what Chapo makes. So if you want to help us catch up to Chapo, maybe send some of that money our way. Oh, that reminds me, um, Aaron, we got live results uh, from our audience during the episode about whether or not your arguments were so on point tonight 
as usual, which mm. uh, seems to be the agreement, unusual, at the top of your game right now. And is there going to be a recall election on Aaron Moritz as a host? Because this particular episode, his arguments, while still being exceptional, fell below the extreme A-plus grade that we're used to, therefore putting him at risk of elimination. So there was a poll on whether to have a recall election. Yes. This is so democratic. Yeah, well, we take democracy really seriously. So the poll actually showed that there will be no recall election because you Ooh. stayed just as good as they remembered. Oh, that's uh, that feels really good. It yeah, it's great. my heart. I'm I'm really stoked. I thought I thought it would, I thought it would happen. Right. Um, what did you vote? I voted keep. Keep. Yeah. <laughs> keep. You know, because it's really just your opinion that matters to me. Mm. I oh, mean, like I don't well, want to say that the audience's opinion doesn't Ooh. matter at all, but yours is. Let's just do a quick poll to see how that affected the <laughs> the result of the oh, vote. Didn't affect it at all. They said they completely understand how uh, since I see your face and we interact human to human, it's a different relationship than I have with them, and mm-hmm. they're they're totally understanding. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye now, folks. Ever since I moved to Silicon Valley and started living around all these brilliant, exciting, entrepreneurial, innovational minds, my brain's been electric with thinking about things. And why don't we just completely reboot the welfare system, scrap it entirely, do something completely new, completely different, call it universal basic income. Everybody gets it. We eliminate the bureaucracy. We let people decide what to do with their own money. No more uh, food stamps. No more uh, uh, social housing. We don't tell people how to spend their money. We we let them figure it out for themselves. It's it's a totally great revolutionary system that just like completely eliminate the need for any other social programs. Sorry, I don't understand. Like, what is what is new about basic income? Like, the idea of giving people who need money enough money to live is called welfare. We already have it. So we have to do like tests. We have to do trials. Now we're going to go back to the beginning of it to hope to make a completely new thing instead of welfare. But we're just going to like let welfare rates stay where it is in the meanwhile while we get this thing figured out and continue stigmatizing poor people. Like, what's the deal? Think about it like this. When MySpace existed, it was pretty good for a while and people used it and, you know, they figured things out. And along comes a a man you might have heard of. His name's Mark Zuckerberg. Did he go to MySpace and say, hey, I've got some great ideas on how to improve MySpace and like go work for MySpace and try and force them into the direction he knew that social media should go? Or did he just scrap it all, throw MySpace in the garbage, start something completely new, disrupt, revolutionary, Facebook? Now, what's on everybody's phone? Is it MySpace? No, 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 no. It's Facebook. That's why the welfare system is old. It's MySpace. It's, It's on the way out. Universal basic income is new. It's hot. It's Facebook. You can't just change the system to make it better. You got to throw the whole system out and make a new one. Get rid of the bureaucracy. Do you also support raising the welfare rate like right now? I don't think so, because for every dollar that's going into someone's pocket for welfare, there's $30 being thrown in the trash, in the bureaucratic trash. Disrupt. Which just like is a thought experiment here. I want a basic outcome. I want people to be taken care of. I want them to have a place to live. I want them to have social connections, access to community and culture. I want them to have clean water, healthy food, 
and uh, accessible shelter. I'm not against the basic income, but I think it's possible for them to be a basic income without a basic outcome, which would be horrible. But a basic outcome without a basic income would be fine because everyone would be taken care of. Do you agree with me that basic outcome is more important than basic income? Basic income is the way to basic outcome. Basic basic income is, you got to understand, we've had welfare for 100 years. Hasn't solved the problems. What haven't we tried? We haven't tried basic income yet, okay? Whatever you're saying here, welfare, it didn't come from Silicon Valley. Just raising welfare rates. Yeah, great idea, Einstein. Let's raise welfare rates. No one's ever thought of that before. No, that idea's been around forever. All right, you need a new idea, okay? Okay, well, I'm inventing a new system. Now, this is a brand new idea. It's 100% new. I'm proud to unveil it here on your Facebook wall. It's called Bernie Bucks. It's money for the people. It's like a basic income, but it's new. It's money for everyone in society, except people who don't need it. And the amount of money you get is based on your needs. Also, it's destigmatized. And we, we, we implement this through reforming the existing welfare system. So what do you think? I like it. It's an even better idea. It's even newer. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Keyboard Warrior Radio Theater. Next time on Seriously Wrong. Oh no, universal basic income checks are way too high because everyone has all their needs taken care of anyway and the society's just great and everyone's contributing and volunteering for free and there's really not that much for anyone to spend their money on except for pooling it into large infrastructure and research projects and other uh, uh, mega collective actions that, that are really doing a lot to benefit society. What do we do?